Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob, and this week on Cinemodities, we want to continue right on with our Unsolved Mysteries series. So last week, we, uh, we had our kickoff of this with Josh. He was kind of our uh, acquaintance of Unsolved Mysteries, if I remember correctly. And we think that we can handle it on our, on our own, or at least maybe Zach thinks he can handle it on his own. Um, but we got four more segments for you that we're going to discuss uh, from four different themes, once again, I believe. Uh, do we have anything to say, or do we just want to jump right into it, Zach? Uh, I don't think we have any sort of context that we have to uh, establish. Or The like, audience think... should remember we're only picking from those themed box sets, uh, DVDs, uh, all 24 of those discs. Uh, that's really it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of laid out our thoughts on this series as a whole from um, last week. Okay. Well, then let's get right into it, Zach. I would like you to introduce the first one we're talking about this week. Uh, and I would like us to switch it off so I get to introduce the second and the fourth. This first episode is actually a Zach's choice. Ooh. It is Scared to Death, which is part of the Bizarre Murder series. Without getting At first, I think it's fair that we give Rob's summary of it. When Rob was going through all these episodes, he um, gave like a one-sentence description. It was discussed in the previous episode. And for this one, it was, quote, was there a dog involved, end quote. <laughs> um, we'll get into that later on, but there's a slight inkling of where that came from. But at the end of the yes. day, it really doesn't make that much sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, I do know why the, that is the one-line summary, both where uh, it was picked up, up, up on in the segment. And I also uh, recalled after kind of sitting down to watch it again, this segment, and make my notes, that this was one of the segments I was playing late at night for other people when we were all quite drunk. So we were not the most focused on this segment. And honestly, watching it again for this recording, it was like watching it for the first time. <laughs> it feels like the very first time. So I don't know if I would have selected it, if I had paid attention to it the first time, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. See, in my head, I kind of had it that since none of us paid attention to it, it wasn't going to be any good. But it wasn't. It was actually a, somewhat of a of a bizarre murder, if I do say so myself. All right. First questions first. Let's get this out of the way. Has Law and Order ripped this off yet? Ah, I think so. I think both the original and Zvu. The original one, I think you you um. You can make some arguments for why it's it's kind of maybe this case mixed with others, but there's an episode of Zvu that actually recreates this case and goes further than Unsolved Mysteries did. Of course, Zvu was done primarily after Unsolved Mysteries did. There's been some developments in this case that I'm going to talk about once we finish the segment, and Zvu kind of even touched on those. Okay, so Law and Order did rip this off. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so the story is basically um, there's this woman, Cindy James. 
Um, she's claimed that she's being harassed. Mm-hmm. Um, she keeps calling the police saying, I'm being harassed. I need uh, protection, so on and so forth. The police basically come out every single time. This is not just apparently like once or twice. This is over the span of years. Yeah. She's claimed that she's being, uh, she's a target of harassment by this. Um, I, don't, I don't even remember how they describe it exactly. They say it's almost like described as kind of like this uh, entity. Like it's not ever described as like a person or a he or a she or an it. Yes. Maybe more of an it. Yes. They never really have a concrete uh, suspect in any sense. The the harassment are things like threatening phone calls, um, those cut and paste letters from magazine, like you cut out the letters of magazines and you write a threatening note with it. She got those. Uh, she was. There's actually a few thing, times where they say like an old lady neighbor finds Cindy like messed up in her backyard, like someone beat her up or something. And then her doesn't her PI find her with like a note stabbed through her hand at one point? Yeah, yeah. Things get pretty real at that moment. But but that's the thing. All of this crazy shit happens to her, and they never have a solid subject. They uh, a suspect. They never have. They only have inklings of certain things. No one's ever seen, heard, experienced any of these events other than Cindy James. Yeah, and that's uh, like this segment first starts off like I've only. Um, this is not one of the segments that I grew up with. This is part of the bizarre murders which I got. In the, I, I really only saw in the last year, year and a half, mm-hmm. and so I never really had any sort of a nostalgic affinity for it. But when I first watch it, it's not, it, it's a great premise. Again, no wonder why the law and the order ripped it off because it's like it starts off. You have uh, Robert Stack talking. And it's like this woman was was bound, drugged, and killed like in a. I guess one of these like an abandoned restaurant parking lot or something. Yeah, and, it was somewhere incredibly strange. They found her. Yeah, it's like, like whatever it is, it's abandoned, but it's not like off the beaten path. It's kind of like one of those like abandoned in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And it's like any and she's bound up. And I think they say she's actually hogtied. Yeah, and yeah. Um, she was killed. But this is and they obviously go into the backstory about the fact that she's been harassed for all these years. Well, like we can't said. we can't skip over the that wondrous introduction robert stack's voiceover basically goes cindy james found hogtied and dead in a you know abandoned restaurant parking lot but the royal canadian mounted police think it's either an accident or suicide and it's just like that's how we're starting like a lady is found hogtied and they're like oh it's 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 suicide (laughs) that's and I think that's a clever thing. Unlike the uh, tinfoil woman episode, if you're good, like, again, you have an episode called scared to death and it starts off the way it does. And you're like, like the whole idea of being scared to death. It's like, it's a very uh, cliched. What, what mm-hmm. would that be? Uh, uh, expression. Uh, yeah. I, I would say it's an expression. Yeah. It's so cliche. It's like, Oh, you scared me to death, but yeah. it's not, it's something that it, it, it's a very scary thought of like actually being so terrified. You die of terror. Yes. Um, without any, it, it, it just shocks you so much. So, like an interesting premise, you have this woman. It's like somebody harassed, and plus you get you get this idea of like, oh man, she was harassed. And obviously, like Rob stated, how Robert Stack said it, it's like, wait, how can somebody be tied tied up and killed that way if, if it was suicide, mm-hmm. or, or I'm sorry, displayed that way? And so you go through the entire thing. Like Rob said, she got stabbed through the hand. Um, all these weird things happen to her. Like her, I think her basement gets lit on fire at one point. And the list the yep. list goes on and on. Like, it's absurd. And apparently, this went on for years. The police devoted money to it. Um, she was put in a mental asylum at one point. 
And, a pe- and and the fun thing is that, and this is where I feel, you know, I wanted to talk about this. I feel the episode is a letdown in, in a certain department because it kind of just ends like on a whimper. Because it, it's, it's one hell of a premise, mm-hmm. um, like I already stated. But it's just like, oh, she, she she's a psychotic. It's like, okay, that's it. Move on. Next. Next segment. Yeah, and I and I feel it's a it's a great premise with a very underwhelming delivery or payoff, mm. and like it happens a lot with um true crime shows, like how we discussed last week about the Forty Eight Hours guy. I was watching something on there a couple weeks ago, and it was this great like like uh, cat and mouse premise between like like this guy who was like dating a woman, and then like his ex was apparently harassing him and the new girlfriend. But then the ex or the ex that apparently was harassing him like disappeared because her son and, and and her mother went looking for her and they couldn't find her. And there was still all this stuff. And it was a really interesting premise. And then like it was like two hours long. You get like, I don't know, like an hour and a half into it. And it's like, oh wait, it's the current girlfriend impersonating the ex-girlfriend who she like oh. murdered or disappeared. And it's like, oh, that's such a that's such a like and how again, that's one thing I really don't I know a lot of people love true crime, mm-hmm. um, Rob included. But I don't know if you like do you like true crime? You like fiction crime i like true crime for you know i like some true crime but i'll, I'll go to the fiction crime you know crime serials i would say before i go to true crime but a lot of people like that and um i don't because i feel a lot of these things are more like the i the concept is infinitely more interesting than the payoff okay and i and i think that's that this is a a very i don't know this had to, rob when did this episode air this was february 13th 1991 both of us were dead <laughs> um uh, so law and order was around by this time so yeah i think it was not, either in its first or second season yeah so it's like so okay so the eyes this is not something that was a wholly novel idea so no like it's like i said it's it's not the greatest but rob what do you think about this so uh i i i also liked the story of this segment you know like the setup of it that all of this weird stuff or and and violent stuff is happening to this woman but there's just no evidence of someone doing it to her. That is a, definitely a, a neat premise. Um, and, and I like that the way the, that they handle it, that they, they kind of give the uh, perspectives of the people that were around, around her. Like, I know that the parents think that she was withholding something, Cindy James, before she died. Even the PI thinks she was withholding something. And, and I really like that, you know, they had this kind of... It was a good build-up, a good pacing of the story. I, I have to agree with you somewhat, that you know the the payoff is a little of a letdown um, in in the actual segment. I think, like Zach said, all we get is that she was you know mentally defective in some way, right? That's their yeah, conclusion. Yeah, basically. So so that's the 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 thing that when I I did some research into well, is there any updates? Like, did they did they find someone who killed her? Uh, the the leading theory right now is that well she did have mental problems but they all the they think that she had dissociative identity disorder which is our modern term for split personalities yeah I figured that and and that is what I referenced before that's where Svu goes like that's the big twist in the episode that this lady is has split personalities um it's it's interesting though something else I should mention which I I think I said to Zach uh, before we recorded you can find some of the phone calls she received. Or, or apparently, like, that's what they're purported as online, like on YouTube. Like, if you type in Cindy James phone calls, these are straight-up nightmare fuel. Like, these are terrifying. Which ones did you listen to? Because I, I only found one, and I was like, meh. I listened to the one that said she was going to be dead meat, or, like, meat oh, or something like one? that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one that's, I listened to. That was stupid. 
Oh, you didn't like that? Nah, it's dumb. I think we, could probably, so we could probably put that in here, right? Because it wasn't yeah, on the, the Unsolved Mystery show. Nah, we won't get sued for that. You be the judge! I, I guess we should also. I, I, some people thought that it was uh, clearly Cindy James disguising her voice. I don't really know what. I don't have any evidence of what Cindy James sound like, so I can't speak to that. But some people were saying that online. Yeah, I guess I listened to that when Rob sent it to me. I was like, like I said, it's like if I got that phone call, I'd be a little weirded out. But I'm um, concerned that we have nothing. Is it is it corroborated? This is what she was sent. Was this pulled from like a police no, investigation? No, no, I, I really don't. I, I really couldn't find any, you know, dead on corroboration. I think it was originally posted by uh, her sister or you know someone related to her that was still pursuing the case. So I, I, where she would get it, I don't know. That apparently the Canadian police spent over like a million dollars, like in this over the lifetime of this case. Yeah, they they put a lot of resources into this. And and that's that tells you something, you know. They didn't just close it shut and say it was a suicide or an accident. They really they put the man hours and the the finances into it. Well, I interpreted that as during the, when she was claiming she was harassed. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, kind of. That's what I Both. meant. Kind of all the whole story in, in, as a whole. Yeah. Well, that's one thing about this episode is that unsolved mysteries is pretty objective. Usually, when they um look at things like this mm-hmm. yet yeah, this segment definitely takes the opinion of this woman was insane and just oh yeah not, not that she brought it upon herself but like this is more or less responsible due to her like like her, her psychosis or whatever you want to call it like there's no like cause there's a guy at one point in this that shows up and anytime a point is made he's like automatically like contradicting she's like it's like this happened well, you can sit there and inject yourself with the stuff and it won't it won't kick in for 20 minutes like is yeah, there more yeah. than enough time to tie a knot and then it's like, well, uh, the knot, this is a professional knot, or this is a knot that'd be difficult to do. And he's like, well, we had a, a so-and-so come in. They're able to tie the knot in under three minutes. Again, it starts off really interesting. Because at one point, too, we even mentioned, like, they find her, like, what, tied up in a, like, before she's dead, like, tied up in a ditch. Yeah. They find her somewhere on the side of the highway. She's tied up in a ditch with, like, a bag over her head. And this stood out to me because, like, when they, Unsolved Mysteries actually went to this ditch. Like, they make a point to say it in the segment. They were like, she was found in this ditch! And did they actually show, like, a car going by? And I was like, that's some dedication right there. I think that was, I think they just filmed the ditch. Oh, yeah. Very little reenactment. It's just filming a location. That's some dedication. They were like, which ditch? This ditch? Got it. Okay, you get three-second shot of it? Perfect. Call it a day. (laughs) Yeah, that's essentially... Oh, good on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, no, I, I, I think this is one of those segments that it's not super memorable, but it's um, it's again, it's interesting. Like it has some classic Unsolved Mysteries elements to it. Yes, and that, like, you have this idea of like this like weird sort of like uh, oh god, uh, phantom again. Like I, said, I, th- I think that's what, it's almost like a phantom that's kind of like a, this mystery phantom that's kind of terrorizing her. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, again, like I said, I, sometimes I watch this stuff and I try to like uh, fix it. In my head, and I'm like, like, how can I fix this? And I realize, oh, wait, this has to be based on something factual. You can't just all of a sudden make this some sort of a uh, paranormal force that's coming after her or something like that. If only. (laughs) If if only. Um, No, this is one of those things I'm really surprised that it's not – it hasn't been used for – I don't know. Again, Rob watches a lot more modern television than I do. But like something on Netflix – again, like – I don't know. Like uh, there was a a podcast I used to listen to. I stopped a while back. 
called like lore or something like that. We're like, oh, like we do like a creepy, mysterious tales. You could take this. Okay. Really, like like a, a beyond. Be- okay, I'm not sure if Rob remembers this. Beyond belief, fact or fiction with like Jonathan Frakes. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember something this. like that. Right. Like, you can take the core premise mm-hmm. and then like twist it. Yeah. Like that's like that's what I'm kind of like lo- like that's what I would okay. do with this because there's there's meat there, but you need something to supplement it with. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's worth noting yeah. the Unsolved Mystery uh, from Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. I don't know the exact case, but there is one where um, I was watching it. I'm like, wait, this is just like a Beyond Belief story. And I, I know exactly where they took it from. It's uh, it's kind of neat when you see them because I remember at the end of that show, they'd always talk about like, um, you know, we are writers got this show, got this uh, idea from blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, there it is. I'm like, how about that? Okay. Uh, oh, so I have to mention the, the dog, wh- where the dog actually comes into play in this segment. Um, apparently the night Cindy, her basement gets set on fire, she was walking her dog at 3 a.m. When the, when the basement was set on fire. And of course, someone that they interview says, well, if, you, if you've been getting harassed for years, why would you walk your dog at 3 a.m.? <laughs> this is a very logical not, question. It's not a bad point. Yeah, that's not a bad thing to ask. And you know maybe it was uh it was it was the split personality that wanted to walk the dog you know that's just what we have to believe now or maybe the dog was controlling her we have no idea or maybe dog was the one that was stabbing her in the hand now that would be the way to make this interesting that the that's police find say. out it's the dog like they get some find some dog DNA somewhere and they're like what what <laughs> they found dog DNA on the syringe that injected her oh man that would be crazy. Okay, yeah, scared to death. I think it's a it's a semi interesting murder. I love that juxtaposition at the end, <laughs> and it's likely now we think that she did it to herself. Strange as that may sound, but who knows? Maybe we'll find out different one day. Maybe you the dog. Any? Maybe the dog. Uh, we might have to start an investigation, Zach and I. After the skinwalkers resolve, of course. <laughs> Maybe the skinwalker is Cindy James. Bum bum bum. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. For okay, that. good. That was a good, a good brisk start. So we're moving on to the good stuff now, and right? Here comes the three hours of discussion. <laughs> so the next segment we are discussing is from the psychics segments or the psychics themes, I should say. Disc two, the Bible code. The Bible code. This actually is a dual selection. I think that when we first pitched this, Zach, you said you were int- intrigued by this one, right? Yeah, it's actually yeah, – like, so I'll, I'll break into it real quick. Um, it's probably the only, one of the very few Unsolved Mystery seconds I can remember watching before the, the box set when I originally watched uh-huh. it on television. Oh, cool. Okay. So so Zach liked it. I liked it. Uh, we, we were thinking about leaving it behind, but I made a last-minute rally for it, and here we are. We're talking about the Bible Code. So, the Bible Code, the first thing I want to say is, it's not listed as the Bible Code on the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, which I thought was really strange. All of this, the whole segment uh, summary and everything that they usually post on the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, is under the guy's name, Michael Drosnin, the guy who wrote the book, The Bible Code. And really, that's where I want to start. The segment is about him. I think even though we they talk a lot about the Bible Code, and we'll get into what that is, it really is him trying to sell his book, I think. 
Did you get that feeling? Um, there, there's an unusual amount of product placement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't get the feeling that like, the Unsolved Mysteries is saying buy this book. I don't. It's it's an intriguing yeah. premise, and I don't think you can divorce the premise from the the book. Yes. So this was probably what we got to see was like the most that the Unsolved Mysteries people were letting him plug his own work and book in. They were they were probably really like you know stick to the the mystery as- aspect of it. But Michael Drosnin wrote a book. He wrote a book in the 90s, which he basically implemented skip code on the Bible. So skip code is really basic. You, instead of reading a book like you normally would, you read every letter at a specific amount. So, you know, like, uh, say you pick up a, a pamphlet, you don't just read all the words on the pamphlet. You read the first letter, and then you count five letters, you read that letter, five more letters, read that one, and so on. Um, and apparently, when you run skip code on the Bible or his implementation of skip code on his specific version of the Bible, we get just uh, crazy predictions and and uh, warnings and kind of milestones of history and things like that that are revealed by, you know, not reading all the words directly by skipping these letters. So, oh, God, Zach, there's so much to say about this. Like I said, we spent 20 minutes on Cindy James. We'll spend six hours on this. <laughs> have, have I described skip code sufficiently, you think? It's, ba- it's a pretty I, basic idea. Yeah, I, I think you explained it properly. Okay, okay. So the first thing I have, to, I have to point out is that when the segment begins and Michael Drosnan starts talking, of course, in the big intro, he starts saying things like, Event X is encoded with the words Y. And, you know, X, Y, and he keeps saying this word, these events are encoded with the words, and then he says words, or these people are encoded with these words. So this is where I think I I really, the foundation of him trying to sell his book comes into my mind, because encoded is a push, is a stretch. So when you actually run skip code, you're just selecting letters. And the way his skip code works is it doesn't just work by by rows it works by columns as well and so when he runs skip code on a row and he finds a word that pops out and then he runs skip codes on the columns that go through that word he finds words that seem to relate to each other and he calls that encoding that's a stretch i think right zach like i think that's important when he says oh these words are in events are encoded in the bible they're overlapping that's it is that what you got are we on the same page all right, folks, I am not looking at this at the same level he is. So there's going to be a lot of uh, monologuing from him here. Like, this is how I am. Like I said, this episode, uh, I'll keep it brief. Um, I, like I said, I, I'm intrigued by the concept of this. I remember it. it intrigued me when I was younger. When I rewatch mm-hmm. it again, like like Rob's saying, it's a lot of it's just uh, it's hogwash. It's, uh, it's, it's nonsense. But um, the best way I describe it, and I hope we can find the clip for it, there's an episode. There's the – okay, well, first let me preface it. There's the infamous saying that if you put enough monkeys – uh, in a room with a bunch of typewriters, so they'll produce Shakespeare. And this might not be the perfect analogy, but it reminds me of the Simpsons episode where uh, Mr. Burns has that exact same thing, and he's like, he goes into a room full of monkeys on typewriters, pulls out one of the, the, the sheets of paper from the monkeys, and he goes, it was the best of times, it was the blurst of times, he comes up and just throws it at the monkey. <laughs> this is a thousand monkeys working at a thousand typewriters. Soon, they'll have written the greatest novel known to man. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You stupid monkey! 
That's essentially what this. I think Michael Drossen is the monkey that that writes that gets the paper bonked bonked on his head. Um, I, like I said, I, I think Rob's going to go into much more detail with this, but my summa, uh, summarization would be: um, if you stare deeply enough into the void, you can find anything. Um, it's the old thing. I think the, the Bigfoot people. If you go into the woods looking for Bigfoot, chances are every every shadow is going to look like Bigfoot. And I think that's what yes. he's doing because like he'll go looking for World War II and he'll go looking for Adolf, um, Hitler, Nazi mm-hmm. concentration camp. Um, he'll he'll pick an event and he'll look for all the buzzwords. And Absolutely. He, and you can do and again, like I said, it's like anything in life. If you look if you go looking for something in the darkness, chances are everything that you feel it'll be what you're looking for. Yes, I, I agree. I agree with Zach completely that the, hu- the human brain has the desire to to find patterns and to recognize things that aren't there and even fill in details when it, it can't. So absolutely. I agree with you on that aspect, Zach. Uh, I also agree that this is really intriguing. I think the idea of skip code is a... It's, it's, it's really cool, but it's not a mystery. Like, I, I think that's a neat idea for how to, like, actually send secret messages to people. Like, you can write it with skip code and someone would have to know what type of skip code you used. Um... That stuff's pretty cool. So I do have a few things that are a little more technical about the Bible code. I'll go through those pretty quickly. But then I, I do have some things that I really want to ask you about the Bible code, Zach. Because uh, I think there's some things where it's like... Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. I got like two categories. Uh, so the other things, I think the, the low-hanging fruit, the easiest questions to ask is, well, the Bible has been translated and rewritten so many times. That would certainly change what words are revealed from specific skip code. So it all comes down to kind of what version of the Bible Michael Drazen is using. That's just, you know, right there. Maybe you use a different version of the Bible. Maybe you use a different translated version of the Bible. You're not even going to get anything. Um, they do mention in the segment that he ran skip code on other books. And they actually mention uh, Tolstoy, I think War and Peace or Crime and Punishment, whoever, whatever Tolstoy wrote, whatever large nonsense Russian person wrote. And he was like, we found nothing. And, you know, and it's like, well, well, of course, because it wasn't written that way. Uh, I, I think that uh, this gets into the other point. They talk about the odds of this occurring. This, that's where this leads to. They say, well, we ran skip code on other books and didn't find anything. And so the odds of this occurring in the Bible is incredibly low. And it's like, no. Yes, if you look at all books in human history – and that's your denominator, the number of books in human history, and your numerator is how many skip code would work on, it's going to be about zero. Because it's not like all books are created randomly. Skip code exists if someone writes it in. That's the only way it can exist. Perfect example, Finnegan's Wake. There are tons and tons of research, you know, literary research, if you think that's a thing, research articles where people did exactly this. They ran increasingly complicated forms of skip code on Finnegan's Wake, and found the most ridiculous results ever. They found t- entire segments of the book recreated when they used skip code. It's amazing. And it was written that way. It was it was made to be that way. And so I think if this is actually there in the Bible, and it, it's, it's a work of humankind. I don't think this has anything to do with kind of divine intervention. That's why I think talking about the odds of it is just absolutely nonsensical. You with me still, Zach? Did I hear some spray bottle in there? No spray bottle yet. No spray. <laughs> no spray bottle yet. Okay, I'm trying to see what else I got in this category on my list. I think that might be. Okay, yeah, I think that actually might be it. I did want to. I, I well, I guess the uh, the other thing is I did say increasingly complicated skip code in my research. It I did find that Michael Drosnin never did backwards 
skip code. So he would always go like, I'm going to read every 13th letter and just keep going forward. Like hit a letter, count 13, hit a letter, count 13. I mean, why not hit a letter, count 13 ahead, read the letter, go back five, read that letter, go ahead 13. You know, it, it, why didn't he do this? He just, he was, you know, trying to sell his book. He had something that he could get the public to latch on to. And that's the way it goes. What do you think, Zach? Uh, like I said, I, this is one that I don't have any sort of super emotional attachment to. Like I said, yes, it resonates yes. mostly, like I said, because of the, it's one of the few segments I remember. Again, I saw it. I remember I was, I was in a, I was in, that was back in my many schools of elementary school. I went to the charter school and I was only in there for like maybe a month or two before that shut down. That's a story for another day. <laughs> and, um, I remember asking the history teacher about it because it just it just it interests me. Like, yeah, like I said, to a how old was I? To an eleven year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eleven year old. Like, it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting premise. Um, something being that prophetic. Um, the fact that at the time they even talk about in the segment like the world's gonna end in either two thousand or what two thousand six. Yeah, two thousand or two thousand six. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's interesting to a kid. A kid would again would latch onto. I remember back when I used to also do. Uh, Go to the Yu-Gi-Oh! playing things. Uh, anybody of our two listeners that lives in Florida, there's a bookstore called Books A Million. And they used to, I, obviously, in between doing Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff, they could just walk around and look at the books. And I remember mm-hmm. they had the book there. I don't know whether oh. it was the same guy's book. could have been somebody else's. Sure. But I remember I remember seeing that and just like kind of just, just – again, I was 11, so I just kind of looked through it and put it back on the shelf. Um, that's what, again, cause those are the, those are my main memories from this. The fact that it, it stood out to me as a kid, but nothing specific, and I saw the book in a bookstore. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, unlike Rob, I know like, this this is a Rob delight. This I would imagine Rob look at this and start just salivating, like, oh man, I can't wait to tear this apart. And I, I would say that's accurate. And everything I covered was me tearing it apart. There we go. Good. <laughs> um, but but there's there's some there's some other things. So um, you definitely rewatched this for our recording, of course. Uh, so. I wanted to know if some of the lines stood out to you. The the one that I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, Zach. Uh, we get Michael Drosnan in his introduction of the Bible Code and what it tells us. He says that the Bible Code predicted, quote, the greatest terrorist event in American history, pause, the Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> this, is, this is an artifact of pre-9-11. You cannot deny that. Oh, this, yeah. He will forever be wrong now. <laughs> well, it was at the time. It was at the time, but now, to us viewing it, he will forever be wrong. Had to, I had to point that out, Zach. <laughs> it's, our, it's our pre-9-11 imagery. <laughs> the other thing is, I, I, I'm sure Zach picked up on this, when he talks about Nixon, finding Nixon in the Bible Code, they say that he's encoded with the words president, but he was kicked out. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's how simple that's the silly. That's how simple the Bible code is. But he was kicked out, like but not expelled, I, not I, impeached. I I don't. Well, this is one where you don't know how much of it is being condensed. This is. I feel like there's another like a Rob in the subtitles argument, where it's like, <laughs> how much of this are they condensing for? How much of this is either what's the word? Squinting hard enough that you see what you want to see, or being condensed either by Mr. Author Man or Unsolved Mysteries. It's it's, it's you have to look at it yourself. Again, unless again, this is an interesting topic. Um I, I don't think a how long is this segment? Uh what, eleven minutes, minutes. Eleven minutes and twenty seconds long. 
All right, so there's there's not a lot. To, you can't do a lot. With this. Like, this would be a great two-hour special on the History Channel. I think they've probably done it at some point. Yeah. And, like, you really have to delve deep into it and be like, okay, you have to explain the rationale. Again, again anybody could tear it. Again, this is, this is very easy to tear apart. Mm-hmm. And because, like I said, I would imagine you probably could go like, again. Let's say this guy recorded all this stuff. Well, when did this one air? April third, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, because this, this is one of the later episodes. Yeah, we were alive for it. Yes, um, I would imagine as of September twelfth, two thousand, when probably could go through the Bible code and say, "Oh, look, there it is. There are the buzzwords. There's nine eleven terrorist, um, Osama bin Laden, Al Qaeda." Um, I, I would that's, imagine the yeah, bu- that's when they aired the new special on it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I imagine. It's one of those things where you, you go looking for it, you're going to find evidence corroborating whatever you want to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I again, this is not. It's not offensive. It's it's a. Uh, I don't want to call him a charlatan. I really don't because he's probably he probably believes what he's writing as much as any, anybody can. But at the same yeah. time, it's like you know what? If if you want to like this, that's fine. Like I, I, I this is kind of like a, it's like the equivalent of a ghost segment. It's like if you believe that this guy has some sort of portal into uh, uh, reading the tea leaves, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's not again like two thousand, two thousand six. There's really nothing on my radar that would even come close. And I would imagine if you ask this guy now, he'd probably be willing to tell you that he either got two thousand confused with two thousand one. <laughs> or two thousand. Like I said, I yeah. would imagine again, like it'd be really a lot of fun to go back to his same thing and say, okay, I would imagine two thousand eight probably has either financial crisis or Obama, um, yep, so, something like that. I, I, again, you you can play with this forever. It's kind of one of those things where you squint hard enough, you'll find whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting point, and. and- you know that's that's I think a, a completely logical point to re- to reach. I think everything we've said so far is kind of you know, it's just yeah. We're not in the mindset that he is though. You know I believe everything we said, but I think there's some worth to thinking about this in the mindset of someone who believes it. So so just for a second, Zach, let's put ourselves in the in the mindset of Michael Drosnin and let's just assume we believe in the Bible code. Okay. So I got two questions for you under this mindset. The first one is that we shouldn't – do you agree that we shouldn't just be looking for words we are familiar with? Because here's the thing. It talks about how the Bible code predicts things that involve the word airplane and involve the word spaceship. Those were not known words when the Bible was first written. So wouldn't it – and if it's predicting it now, wouldn't it just stand to reason that we should be looking for things that we aren't familiar with because those might actually be predictions? What do you think? Oh, God. Um, it's chicken or the egg. It's, it's that sort of dilemma where it's like how, how – because okay, the airplane thing, it's interesting you because I was thinking about that too. It's like even like the spelling of that. Like and you have airplane, yes. you have aeroplane. Yep. And it's like, well, how do you discern those two? It's like, like again – like, like Rob said, you could you could look up a bunch of terms. Like, who knows where technology is going to take us fifty, a hundred years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, think about it. There was no such thing uh, twenty years ago. Uh, smartphone was no th- that that term did not exist in any sort of mainstream capacity. Yep. Um, internet thirty years ago. Well, maybe not. Let's say let's say forty, fifty years ago, just mm-hmm. to be um, real, real uh, safe. Definitely. And I and I think there's there's things of this where. Uh, again, you wouldn't know where. Like, you'd have to pick some really uh, uh, specific terms that encompass a lot. 
like you'd have to sit there and look up words like terrorist or death or uh, catastrophe mm-hmm. or again like, I think one time they say like nuclear like nuclear or holocaust like, yes. you'd, you'd have to look up very very specific yet broad terms mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's because again because again we, yes we could look up words spaceship. I, again, I, you'd really have to pick specific terms. And the problem, though, is that I think they even ask him, why is it all doom and gloom? Yes. Because how do you describe, again, <laughs> misery has more has many synonyms. Happiness only has a handful. And mm-hmm. it's like, so what do you look up? Bliss. Like, how do you describe bliss? Is, is there such a thing as a, a universal bliss or nirvana? Yeah, exactly, know. exactly. Because so, if, if that's just, you know, you're speaking right to the point that it's it's so much human interpretation when you're yeah. doing something like this, and then that's always going to cause you know errors in some way. Yeah, like you said, like I think airplane is the best example because you can, there's so many words uh, for again, airplane, aeroplane, aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it depends on again, like Robboy loves to use the term colloquialism. It's kind of like what would you what would you use to sit there again? You have internet, World Wide Web, um, the web, tweet web. Mm-hmm. And so think about it. 15 years ago, this guy would have thought there's a bird with a spider somewhere. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I think, think about it. He, he's going, exactly. let's, 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 like, like, let's put our cap on that this actually exists. Mm-hmm. And he's going through this and says, 2016 is the year of the tweet in the web. And it's like, okay, well, he's going to think there's a bird and a spider. And, and, and like, what else would you interpret from that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't know. We would we There's would no not context. be able to, to get it until it became a thing in, in our reality. Yeah. This weird thing where it's like, okay, how much of this, and if you do believe it, how much of it is you deciding yourself or what you're reading influence your decision? Exactly. It's like, which, which influences which? Are you making the decision that eventually influences this, this, this thing? Or is it the thing that is the generator of it that influences you? Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, it's it, could this guy be a charlatan? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, though, it's it's good. Co- again, it's it's a great dinner dinner table conversation. You can argue about this without really hurting anyone's feelings. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. This is a rather uh, neutral topic of debate. <laughs> no, no one's ever been shot over whether the Bible code, code is factual or not. Yeah, you'd have to get someone who's just like so gung ho for or against religion like one of the extremes to get angry about this but, i think well i think it's even the same time it's like what were the religious person's thoughts on this space i would imagine most religious people would dismiss this i oh i really don't know uh, well yeah i guess because it was something that this just guy implemented on on the bible and found if it was something that had been more of a or you know reported on by by a church or by the pope or something yeah okay i agree with you i didn't i I'm, i was thinking about it more of a you know I was thinking they would find it as like, oh man, you know, more messages in the Bible. That's a great thing, but not because I'm an, I'm against that now because this person's using it for financial gain. Well, I, I yeah, yeah, I get that, um, but I don't think that's how uh, most religious people would see it. I think most of them okay. would see this as some sort of form of a heresy or blasphemy. Um, the Lord does not speak through hidden code. The Lord is not trying. Mm. The, the Lord is not a, a fortune teller. Okay, um, yeah, that, I, speak, could, I could see that. Speaking sure. cryptic language, it, and I think that's what it would be. I think it's because that's not how the, the Lord operates, whatever that means. Um, yes, yes. The Lord has a standard operating procedure. <laughs> I, I, I guess and I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that it would be interesting. This is, a, this, was a, this is a good one to talk about, you know, like we said. It's a good, interesting topic. So the, I said I had two questions. We got through the first one. 
The second one I think you're going to love. Once again, we're going to assume that the Bible code is is accurate and all-knowing. Let's say we're applying some skip code to the Bible, you and Isaac, and we find cinemodities. <laughs> what words are encoded with cinemodities? What do you think? Audience, I, lack thereof. I was going to say cancellation, <laughs> bankruptcy. <laughs> 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 but we could only hope, right? Cinemodities pops up. But I would imagine there's probably somebody who has like a website and you can probably type things in and it'll tell you where it is in the Bible. Like if there is oh, something like I this. Would, I would imagine that there's some kind of database out there. Um, I I know for a fact if, if you can get me a text file, I can run skip code on it. And so I just I would just need a, a, a the, the, like a text, text file, file of, the of the Bible, which I, I certainly don't have now. <laughs> We'll work on that. Yeah, <laughs> Zach's gonna Zach's gonna type up the Old Testament tonight. <laughs> I'll have a good time. I'm brewing a pot of coffee right now. So <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, that was my last question for you, Zach. That was your last question? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get an update on what cinemodities is encoded with in the Bible later on. <laughs> Hackneyed, frauds, glorious, second Glor- coming. What do you think about Inglorious, that? Inglorious, you mean? <laughs> Inglorious. I would, I would be okay with that. All right, so are we done with this? Or are we moving yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it for, for Bible code. See, that wasn't as bad as you expected, right, Sam? No, I, I'm a little disappointed I didn't get like a half an hour rant about um, something <laughs> else. I'm surprised there's no voice acting involved with that. It's, I mean, it's Michael Drosnan and Robert Stack. I, I'm a little it. disappointed now. We're halfway through the second episode. We're basically halfway through the Unsolved Mysteries TV show series. And I'm genuinely surprised that Rob's like, let me get into the voice acting part of this. In this episode, <laughs> Robert Stack does a voiceover. We, we, like every, like every segment, we have to go through this like four times. Like again, we do 12. <laughs> and Robert Stack did this. <laughs> he was in The Untouchables. <laughs> oh, he was man. in Beavis and Butthead Do America. Oh, good old Robert Stack. Good old Robert Stack. Okay. Zach, would you like to introduce our next segment? Oh, man, it's another Zach selection. This is a segment we already kind of discussed with Josh, but here we go again. It is The Devil's Backbone. Cue Rob's reaction. Not the one in Colorado. Much like Canada from Akira (laughs) is not the country. It's not the one in Colorado. The one in Texas. I didn't even know there was one in Texas. Apparently there is. And um, like Josh stated, this echo- this episode starts off with a bang. With the uh, the there's a monk, and he and he gives the most uh, glorious um, scream, um, unnecessary is, scream. It is great. <laughs> it's great. It comes out of nowhere. Um, somebody whoever was working on this has a sense of humor, because um, it's never stated why there's a s- scream in general. Never mind in this specific moment. Like it's not like they said that he was a. Um, Oh god, this sounds weird. But like, not a dirty monk, but like he uh, he <laughs> used his position for like wealth and power. And yeah, then, yeah, he was corrupt to some extent. Yeah, and it's not like oh, like he was like I don't know. Obviously, he was. I think he was uh, brought to quote unquote trial or justice for whatever he did. But like, it's not like oh, like he was beheaded or this. It's just the episode begins with ah. <laughs> I think it's the best way 
doing it. Um, it's it's great, and it, it includes the zoom in as well. Don't forget yes, that. the, the art the artificial zoom in done in post production. Yes, it is. not not a zoom in with the camera. It is an artificial zoom in. And so and so, just so everyone knows, if they haven't seen this segment, that retains all the beautiful graininess of the original image. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's 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 bad. Oh, and it's um, set up so like the zoom and the scream are synchronized. It's it's great. It's it's all around just laugh out loud funny. <laughs> okay, okay. When did this air? This was January twelfth, nineteen ninety six. Okay, so it was, so it was. This is when uh, Unsolved Mysteries started to lose its stride a little bit. Okay. Again, like I said, we kind of talked about it with Josh. Josh wasn't a fan of this episode. I love this. I love this segment. I think it's my favorite. Just like I said, I think that's because it's how well it's how uh, uniquely lit it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the monk is great. Like, like I wish I could design. I can. I've said it already. The uh, Halloween prop that looks like that, like where it's like, it's the, the the character is blue or white, like like radiant white. Like think yeah. of, um, I think of like uh, Marlon Brando and Superman as Cal uh, or as Jor El. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like it's like this glowing white outfit, yet it casts a blue shadow, or yeah. like a blue mist. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's it's really it's, cool. It's fabulous. Like it's it's genuinely fabulous. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, Zach uh, told me before. Yeah, you know, I think multiple times before we recorded this episode. So when I watched it uh, again, I, I really kept a lookout for that. And and I got to agree with you completely. Like the glow of them is easy to look at. I think that's that's something that I always look at when they do these reenactments and depictions of be it ghost UFOs, you know, whatever. Is it easy on the eyes? And yes, and it never comes off as cheesy or fake. If anything, I think it's somewhat believable for a ghost story. Well, because I think people think, again, like, and I think Unsolved Mysteries does this a lot, and I think that's why this stands out in this entire set, is that most of the ghosts are just apparitions. They're, they're, they're a glorified mist. And yes. don't get me wrong, that's a very, it's very easy to do. And like, because ghosts are supposed to be very, oh, God, um, intangible you're supposed to like kind of you don't know what what it is you're looking at in both of these ghosts we'll get into the wolf part later the wolf part is the part that la- is lacking in all this but mm-hmm. it's 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 a very re- oh, god i don't want to say realistic ghost because that's not too long <laughs> but it's 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 the idea but like, they're very tangible yes, like, like, yes. like you have you have the monk and he's only he's there briefly he's in the very beginning he's in the very end and he has he has a very small part in the in the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think it's really where you see the the Indian. You have the guy who's um I don't even know the oh, sound. Yeah. All, all I know is the monk's there all of a sudden. The guy's like in his living room. He looks up. There's a there's a uh, glowing monk. He goes outside. Glowing monk is gone. It's like next. Well, this was, move on. This was one of my. That was actually one of my favorite uh, musical cues of the episode of the segment because the guy is the guy says. I looked through the window, and that's when I saw a Spanish monk. The camera cuts to the window with the ghost of the Spanish monk behind it, and there's a very tiny Spanish guitar musical cue. Yeah, that's like, there. Like, doo doo and I'm like, what? I'm like, really? Like, that, that, that's going to convince me that he's Spanish? He's a ghost. Why would nationality matter? <laughs> but no, so you have that, though, and it does. It, it comes out of nowhere, more or less. And oh, then we wait. get the Indian. Yes, the Indian is great. I'm watching him now, and he's even he's even better looking. I can't describe it appropriately. And you look at the face; like there's, I'm trying to zoom in. It, it, it looks like a skeleton. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like it's this white outfit. And I know again because I know how they did Jor El in the original Superman. I know how they achieved that though, but it's the blue mist. 
And I guess you have, because he's part, even though he's mostly white, there is a blue hue to him. Definitely. And, oh my lord, it's it's such a spooky, it, it's a spooky image. Because I think it's also the thing, too, is like, like everybody, like, people have, oh god, it's so freaking spooky. Like, I think, <laughs> like, I think it's the, um, it's very reminiscent of Salem's Lot, if anybody knows the 1970s Salem's Lot TV show. And it's, it's, he, he's stagnant. He's not moving. He's a very static like, like people, like that's another thing too. I hate about modern ghost stuff is that anytime there's a, there's a ghost or an apparition, it's constantly moving. Um, it's kind of like yeah. the equivalent of, of a, Michael, a Michael Bay transformer. It's just constantly moving. It's like they're flowing in the wind. Like, are we supposed to believe that wind can affect ghosts? Well, I think it's the Casper thing. I think I think Casper's done more to uh, um, lock in like a, like a, a specific okay. thing of a ghost. Like a ghost has to be hovering above the air. Kind of like, like almost like like a, a like a waiting in water where you're yeah, kind of just yeah. it's just that sort of like body movement. And plus, I can think about it, someone has to animate this stupid stuff. So it's just you have a concept, you run with it. It's, it's a mm-hmm. template. Um, but I can know the monk. Oh god, he's so freaking cool. He's stationary. You really don't. Because it's also shown very briefly. Like I, I had to kind of pause to get a good look, mm-hmm. and I don't have a firm grasp on it. So again, it's an idea of less is more. But that's. Um, but that's just me. But no, that's, that's, that, that's called hashtag Halloween goals. Oh, so, okay. I like that. I like that. So the next one, we have a guy who has a little, uh, a little like a uh, tree fort in the woods. Actually, it's more just like a plank of wood put on mm-hmm. top of like a tree. And he's uh, hunting. And while he's there, he's just he, explain, ha- he explains to us the basics of hunting. <laughs> yes, he has to be real quiet or else he'll spook the deer. <laughs> and um, while he's up there, he hears something walking around, but he can't see it. Um, how dare that be an animal that he can't see? I like that he that, says he's like I heard footprints or footsteps. I should say like they like they didn't unsolved mysteries didn't make him do another take. They just left that in there. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You have that, and he like he climbs down like he stays up there pretty much the whole day. He climbs down. He's like it was really cold. It was like 20 degrees. And I don't yeah. know how many hunters are just camping out in the thing in 20 degrees. That, that, that I'm not a hunter, but that sounds a little peculiar. <laughs> but what do I know? And as he's walking down, he sees uh, an Indian ghost. If we get a specific tribe, I don't remember off the top of my head, so forgive me. And we see him. He sees the, the, the first time we see the Indian ghost. He's it, it's it's bad lighting because mm-hmm. he's clearly being lit from above, but he's being lit in a way that like there's no light on his front. It's just it's like he's being lit from the back, like like back, but from the top. And you see his hat. You see he's. I don't think he's wearing a shirt. And it's it's yeah. the definition of I think uh, bad lighting. We cut back to uh, hunting man, and then we go back and we see him kind of just walking through the woods. And as he's walking through the woods, he says something like, "Oh, I felt like something was uh, following my stride or fo- or matching my steps." And then we see the greatest ghost effect ever. And considering whereas the monk is a stationary character, the Indian is moving alongside the guy. Yeah. And he is just like he's glowing. You hear the phrase like people go up to like a pregnant woman and be like, "Oh, honey, you're glowing." Like this Indian <laughs> man, he glowing. Like he can light up a room, and like he's just vibrant. Like like he's got teeth that are so he's got like he, he's oh god, like beyond like white, like radiating. Like like, like again, I, I don't think I've ever seen ghosts. Like again, like this is something you imagine from like an angel. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if, like if unsolved mysteries was doing a segment on like angels. 
this is why I would imagine they're like how they would light them because like it's it's this radiating radiating light, and yes. this guy is just like he's glow and I can, I don't know how they did this in '96, and on top of that it's moving. You have the cameras moving, Hunter Man's moving, and the Indians moving. Yet Indian Man is not just like I'm trying to see how he moves because I want to see if if he's entirely being because it's worth noting that there is a bit of a a shadow. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think they're lighting him from two different... I think they have lights on a track. And as he's walking, oh. they're lighting him from both sides at the exact same time. Okay. Because if you look, there is a shadow. With, like at one point, he kind of turns and he faces the, the hunting man. And he, there's a shat- his left arm casts a shadow like on his body. And so ah, I, think, gotcha. I think they're lighting him at the exact same time. I, I think they, they probably have two lights on him, and that's what it is. And they have him in some sort of reflective makeup. I, I don't know, because considering that he doesn't have a shirt on, I don't know how you would... Uh, again, like I said, the monkey can give him some sort of cloth that would reflect light. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you put a, a powder on someone. I don't know. I, I don't think a, a, a white powder would be able to reflect light. Never mind, it would have a hard time sticking to a, a body. Yeah, yeah. Some type of coating... Maybe like a not, maybe like a straight liquid, but like a gel or something like that. Maybe they have to do something like that. And then he just yeah, yeah. And then he just he disappears, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. That's that it thing. is it is it is a really interesting shot. It is a really really neat thing to look at. Unsolved mysteries by this time was kind of falling into the uh, cheap and fast. We gotta get get it out the door. It's kind of mm-hmm. like we don't we don't need that we don't need any more production value than we have to. And this was really one of those ones where, again, like I said, I, I, I know Josh doesn't like it, but like I said, I, I, this could be a Zach Men, Women, and Children, where I really, I appreciate it for what <laughs> it is, considering what, I, again, I know what I like, but at the same yeah. time, um, I, I, I guess, I don't want, this isn't campy. It's not campy by any means. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think it, co- it comes off as a, as a decent ghost story. With, like I think Zach already mentioned, with the next part of it being the one that's lacking the most, the wolf possession. Yeah, yeah, that I, one's the one that's kind of like, eh, did we really need this? You know. Well, I think because they're trying to they're trying to do three examples. They have the first one, they have the second one, they have the third one, and they're trying to give us a little bit of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And the wolf thing again, it's 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 done. You can tell all the money went into the the, the Indian and yeah. the uh, the monk. Because I know at one point too, like we see a bunch of uh, God was it cavalry. The guy sitting there, he sees a bunch of cavalry go by on their horses. <laughs> and he's like, "What on earth was that?" Yeah. That's, just, that's 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 easy to do. That's that's you can insert Gettysburg ghost footage there, and no one would notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, no, the wolf bit starts with another thing that made me laugh hysterically. Maybe not starts, but very much near the beginning of when uh, the guy supposedly gets possessed by the spirit of the wolf. Uh, he's like talking to unsolved mysteries and saying that, like, giving the experience of when the wolf jumped into him, how he felt, and it's a hard cut to one of his friends who immediately says, "We saw nothing supernatural. <laughs> Everything we have is what he told us happened." And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. They're they're throwing that at us now." <laughs> Well, even the friends, like, like in the reenactments, like like the most nervous, like he's like hop, he's nervously dancing around, he's putting his hands, in, like his head in his hands, and kind, he doesn't, he's kind of inconsolable. He's just kind of just flailing around almost. Yeah, yeah. So, and then when the dude does get officially possessed by the wolf and taken back to his 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 house or something, he he has knowledge of Indian massacres and like little known events in the area. It's some weird shit. 
but then it just leaves them. The, the wolf spear just leaves them, and and that's you know over, I guess. Well, the wolf had a dinner date with the monk and the Indian, so he had to get <laughs> they back. Had, they had to reconvene after their hauntings for the day. <laughs> it's kind of like Monsters, Inc. They have to report on their scare meter and then uh, go to work on the next person. Yeah. Oh, okay. You think that's how it works with ghosts? In the, in the devil's like backbone? In the devil? Okay. Just, so, just, the one, just the one in Texas. I can't speak to the one in Colorado. Yes, just the one. I, I was there at the one in Colorado. Nothing scary happened. I didn't see any, any monks. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get possessed by any wolves, so I'll probably go back. We'll see if it happens. I guess. Who knows? I think Zach is crossing his fingers right now. <laughs> after, like, let let after, the ghost get. <laughs> this is after the skimwalker and after everything else that we plan on doing. <laughs> oh, and I think those are our three examples, and then we end beautifully. This, I think, the end of this segment is beautifully on the man who's saying. That he's going to haunt the devil's backbone after he dies. I know we brought that up in yes. our episode with Josh. That's a bold prediction, right? Like, that's that's bold. How, do, how does he know that? He might have some more information than he's letting us believe if he knows he's going to be haunting this place, right? Right? I, I hope we get to decide where we haunt in, in the afterworld. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where would you haunt? Oh, I'd haunt everywhere. <laughs> On everywhere. Zach's like, I would be the world's ghost. <laughs> Damn straight. I would probably haunt first showings of Marvel movies. <laughs> that would that would be what I want to haunt. But you can, but you can but you can do that while you're living. You don't need to wait to be a ghost to do that. <laughs> I think I think I need to do it while I'm living so I, I'll be able to do it while I'm a ghost. I think oh, that's is that how it works? Yeah. I, I don't know if you just I don't know. Do I just get to say, hey, I want to haunt this place? Like, who, who am I telling this to? Do I have to just like, scream it at nobody? And it's just set in stone that I'm going to haunt this place? <laughs> like, what's well, the like, criteria? We'll, well, we'll figure that out in a later episode. Yeah, we're going to do some heavy-duty ghost studies. <laughs> All right. So, are, we, are we done with the devil's backbone? I think so. I think so. I think that's also um, the shortest segment we have. Oh, no. That's not the shortest segment we have to talk about. The next one's even shorter. Uh oh. Let's Go get ahead, into Rob. it. Let's this is get a into choice. it. This is a Rob's choice. Uh, I think I've held back with Zach how much I fucking love this segment. When Zach gave me over 36 hours of unsolved mysteries to watch, like I said in our previous episode, I knew I was going to like it. But I said to myself, I'm going to watch all of this. And it will be considered a success by me if I find at least one segment that I absolutely love and will never forget and will always talk about the rest of my life. This is that segment. And I'm dead serious. We are talking about the Miracle Buffalo segment from the Miracles theme. Disc three starts at an hour, 16 minutes, 32 seconds. It's 7 minutes, 43 seconds long, aired first on December 8th, 1995, and it's about the Miracle Buffalo. Zach, I'm so excited to talk about this segment. Are you? Not really. Oh my god, I have so many notes on this segment. I did so much research into this segment, into the Miracle Buffalo, and in that research, I found something that was absolutely heartbreaking. And I want to start with this. So as we were preparing for this episode, I had the glorious idea 
to ask the Miracle Buffalo to be on our show to review this segment. I didn't even Whoa. tell Zach I wanted to do this. I wanted the Miracle Buffalo on the show, and I think with my charm, I could have got it on. Here's the deal. The Miracle Buffalo is dead. Did you know this, Zach, until I told you? I th- uh, No, but I, I surmised as much. <laughs> you don't think the Miracle Buffalo could have lived to be 24? No, the Miracle Buffalo lived to be 10. It was born in 1994, died in 2004. We're going to get on that a little later, though. Um, can I give Can I give a brief rundown of, of who the Miracle Buffalo was, Zach? I'm doing Please it. Please do. I'm doing it. Okay. So as we get in this segment of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, these people run a buffalo farm, or maybe just a farm with buffalo. They sure have a hell of a lot of buffalo. And one morning they wake up, they go look for one of their pregnant uh, cows. I think they call them cows, but we have pregnant female buffalo. And it has given birth to an all-white, non-albino buffalo. So that's that's something that I don't know. They don't really stress on a lot because al- albinism, albinoism, albinism sounds too much like Albanianism. <laughs> so albinoism is rare, but it's not that rare. It's just in creatures. Something to be non to be non-albino but all white is incredibly rare, especially in buffalo. And so, of course, they were like, "Oh my God, we got an all-white buffalo." I think they tell their local news station about it because they're like, "This is pretty cool." And you know, there's six people in our town. There's more buffalo than there's people. And the news gets out, and soon this farm is flocked by people. Apparently, the birth of this white buffalo is a stepping stone, a milestone of an old Native American prophecy. And this tons of these members of these tribes just descend on this farm and they start to worship this thing. And the story goes on to talk about what the miracle buffalo is supposed to represent. It goes on to talk about how it can change colors. Fucking miracle buffalo can change colors. That's something I wanted to ask it about when we got on the show. People wanted to buy the miracle buffalo. Notably, as we'll talk about, Ted Turner and Ted Nugent offered to buy the Miracle Buffalo. And it led, a, it led a grand life being Miracle, the Miracle Buffalo, for 10 years. And sad to say, it died. But I, it, will fo- it will forever live on in my heart as, here we go, this is why I love this segment, Zach. I'm really getting down to it. Just, it is a great idea. I love just the notion of an all-white, non-albino buffalo. It's fucking great. But I love stories when animals get worshipped and they have no fucking idea why. I love this concept. Like, I, I, I don't believe in, in this prophecy. I don't think this was the sign of anything, you know, peace or, or you know, uh, or, or war times or anything like that. But I just love the fact that an animal was born, you know, out of a genetic miracle to some extent. And people are just, like, worshipping it. And this animal will never understand why. That is that is such a blissfully ignorant existence. I think I might be jealous of this buffalo, Zach. That's what I'm getting at. I love it. So here we go. I'm officially saying it, Zach. Thank you. Thank you for making me do this Unsolved Mysteries series because it has led me to the story of the miracle buffalo. Oh, it's the greatest. It's the greatest, Zach. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of a miracle buffalo. It's a miracle of a miracle buffalo. So now before I go on into uh, more of the things I have to rant about, 
Why why did you want to select this one, Zach? What's what's your beef with the white buffalo? What do you got against Miracle, huh? You have said mean things to Miracle if I had her if we had her on the show? Would you have I don't want to ask any of You have berated a buffalo? <laughs> I've never berated a buffalo before. <laughs> Only Rob would sit there find this uh, question and pursue it as such. So so I guess maybe let me uh, be a little more specific with my question. Do you not like this segment, or are you just straight up neutral uh, to this? Uh, segment? No, it's a cute, it's a cute little segment. Like I'm surprised. Like, this, this, this is like the more and more I think about it, this is clearly a rob. Like let's latch on to something really crazy. It's the fuck. It's the greatest thing. I'm, I'm upset. I didn't think about this. <laughs> there, there it is. Um, yeah, like, cla- classic rob uh, latching on to something kooky and crazy. But uh, no, it's a cute segment. I think that's the uh, easiest way of saying it. It's it's cute. It has its moments. No more, no less. I like the idea of Ted Nugent and Ted Turner, both Ted's. I don't know why Ted's uh, wanted this thing so badly, but um, apparently they did. Yep, yep. And I have some. Uh, so in the segment, they just say that they offered to buy it. I did some research onto what they offered to buy this buffalo. Oh, so here we go. Um, I guess for for sources, a lot of my my findings actually come straight from the Miracle the Buffalo has a website. It's still upkept. It is now the website for the farm. So you can actually go and, like, you know, do farm-related things with this farm if you want to. But I believe it is still just MiracleBuffalo.com or or MiracleTheBuffalo or something like that. And they have a huge biography. They have a lot of links to, like, local news stories and national news stories that covered it. It was really, really cool. But here's the thing. When this was born and it turned out to be some prophetic creature to groups of people, Ted Turner offered to give this farm 750 regular buffalo for one miracle buffalo. And at the time, this was about $2.6 million worth of buffalo. So Ted Turner didn't offer to pay cash. Ted Turner offered to give it buffalo. Ted Turner has buffalo. Did you know this? (laughs) He has buffalo. He's willing to trade for other buffalo. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was turned down, of course. Now, Ted Nugent. I wonder why. Because, you know, I mean, how much? Like, I don't think there is a conversion between regular to miracle buffalo. Like, they're just incompatible units, you know? Except we have a conversion for uh, $17 million as one dinosaur. Yes, we, we have, because, because recreating dinosaurs is not a miracle. An, an all-white non-albino buffalo is a miracle, Zach. Okay. Now, no, I th- I'm not sure. A white, a white <laughs> buffalo or a, a, an extinct creature brought back to life. I think buffalo wins. Buffalo, buffalo wins, wins every time. Every time. So here's the thing. Now I couldn't, I couldn't find what Ted Nugent offered. Very unfortunately, but what I did find instead was that when Ted Nugent's offer was rejected, he came back at them with a counter offer. He said, let me film the Miracle Buffalo for parts of a music video I want to release. And I will invite the members of the farm to a Ted Nugent New Year's Eve party. And that's what happened. So Ted Nugent got film video or or film footage of the Miracle Buffalo by inviting the members of this farm to celebrate New Year's Eve with him. 
That's pretty. That's insane. That's right up Ted Nugent's alley, right? Like that's the yeah, counter. Yeah, it's like he would do it. That is that is absolutely like the counter offer. And I think the New Year's Eve show like interviewed them about the buffalo, and and they like had more footage of the buffalo, and it's just crazy to me. Um, those were like the the big mentions. They said that you know uh, some other other people, you know, local townspeople tried to buy it and use it as like a commercial object to like drum up business and stuff like that. And that I thought was weird. Like in such a small town, why would like a used car salesman want to buy this buffalo when it's already in the same town? Like, like what? Like what? A, like if people are coming to the town to see a buffalo. You know, that, that's getting them in for business. It's just not getting them right to you. But it usually works that way, that if they see one tourist attraction, you've got them in that trap, you know. But but regardless, um, that was pretty interesting to me. So some other stuff from the website. Uh, talking about the people that came to visit the White Buffalo. I have a direct quote from the website, Zach, that I want to read. Okay? This is in a paragraph discussing, like I said, visitors to the White Buffalo. The member of the farm said, we've had Jesus Christ here twice, uh, twice, twice, and a guy came down from Minneapolis in October, said he just had breakfast with Elvis, and Elvis was on his way down. We get them all. <laughs> I, I find this hilarious. I find this so funny that... <laughs> Jesus and Elvis in the same sentence. <laughs> must be a very popular diner. Oh, coming to see, coming to see the fucking white buffalo. Oh, I love it. Um, one person, uh, on a less comical note, someone that came to visit the Miracle Buffalo, that uh, the, the gist of the story was that no one on the farm knew who he was until he was about to leave. The Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama came and saw the Miracle Buffalo and oh, was, wow. like, incredibly low-key about it. And they and they didn't know until like they said something like the Dalai Lama's people said something to the farm as they were leaving. And I thought that was really interesting. So this this got worldwide attention, as it should. I, th I also read somewhere too. It didn't have on its own children. <gasps> yeah, that's my next point, Zach. Baby buffaloes. <laughs> it had uh, before its death on September nineteenth in two thousand four. It had two babies. So here's my here's my first question. It had two babies that were that were not miracles, like they weren't all white, non non albino. They were very much regular buffalo. But uh, here's the thing: they talk about the uh, miracle buffalo changing color. Do we think it also changed genders? No, it would take another 10, 10 years for it to do that. <laughs> you don't think it had enough enough time to do it though? Okay, so. So that was something I thought was interesting. You know, what else could it change since it was a miracle buffalo? But now here's a here's a more interesting question. Were the babies that it had, even though they weren't miraculous in color or, you know, whatever determines a miracle buffalo, were they immaculately conceived? I couldn't find any information about that. I, I feel like that should be stated on the website. Like, were, were these like normal baby buffaloes or were they miracle baby buffaloes? Another reason I wanted him on the show. Another question that comes after that. Zach, how would you feel if you took a road trip with your family out to see Miracle the Miracle Buffalo and it was getting humped? How would you feel about that? I wouldn't be happy about that. That wouldn't be miracle miraculous to me. I want my money. You probably don't pay money, but I, I wouldn't want to. That, so if this thing did conceive naturally, 
they had to have like done it when tourists weren't there unless i don't know that was part of the indian prophecy oh i have even more to research now zach i thought the spirit of the way stuff was bad <laughs> these are natural questions zach these are no, natural not. questions no they're not so so even though um the miracle buffalo's babies were not miraculous the farm that Miracle called its home actually had two unrelated, so buffalo that were not related to Miracle, all white non-albino buffaloes. There were actually two more from that farm, one in yeah. 1996 and one in 2006. The one in 2006 is named Miracle Second Chance. <laughs> and I, I couldn't find a name for the 1996 one. I guess they just don't give a fuck about that one. So, so like, what's going on at this farm? That's crazy. Crazy! That's so rare to get this type of buffalo, and this this farm's churning them out. I think it's well, it should be Miracle Farm. Yeah, you'd think that though. It's obviously there's something in the uh, breeding of these of these buffalo that are they're allowing them to do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that's um, I think that's what we got to investigate, Zach. You and I, we got a lot to investigate from this episode. Uh, I'm sorry. You mean you have a lot to do? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So I guess the one last thing I do want to say about this segment, one of the people they interview, very gloriously, he's he's a, he's Native American. His title card, like his little title when they interview him, is Dr. Arville Looking Horse Keeper of the Sacred Pipe. That, that, I, I didn't pick up on that. That's, that's everything Unsolved Mysteries puts on the screen. And this is, uh, he is like the person who is tasked with like telling or passing the story of the miracle buffalo down to future generations and he is the keeper of the sacred pipe so he's doctor arval looking horse keeper of the sacred pipe i'm i'm still working on my doctorate but i have no fucking idea how to get keeper of the sacred pipe attached to my name i got more to research that you'll get there eventually <laughs> oh god this is so so have i convinced you zach this is the greatest segment ever this is the no. best unsolved mystery segment. Unless uh, maybe if the buffalo glowed blue, maybe. Maybe one of the times it changed color, it turned into that glowing blue color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for bringing the miracle buffalo into my life. I will reference it in every episode we do from here on out. When I get myself involved with. <laughs> Oh man! All right, we did it. We did four more segments, right? Oh man, we're we're, we're two thirds of the way there. Look at that! Look at that! Okay, okay. Am I? Am I'm, Do I get? Do I get my personal segment now? Oh god! Oh god! Okay, this one's gonna be a short one. This one's gonna be a short one. I don't know if Zach has has knows which one I decided to talk about yet, uh, but this one is a shorter one. The first one we talked about last week was the Skinwalker. This week we are talking about. What I call the line of cars. That's where we're going this week, Zach. This one's pretty brief. Uh, very commonly, I'm down in Denver uh, for concerts, for events, things like that. And I drive back afterwards to northern Colorado, Fort Collins, where I live. Uh, if you've ever been anywhere in Western uh, America, you know that basically everything is just get on a highway and go. Uh, there's just straight roads. Not straight, but, you know, long roads that lead you everywhere to the distant places. The one I take between these two cities is I-25. Just every single time, you know, leave Denver, get on I-25, straight shot, I'm home. So one night, I'm leaving a, a concert, I'm getting my car, getting ready to drive back, you know, I got my music on, and I'm 
just hit on I-25 and I start going. Speed limit on I-25 is about 70 miles, 75 miles an hour. Um, I always go a little above the speed limit, especially when it's late at night, uh, when there's not too many cars on the road. I like to you know punch it, get home at a reasonable, reasonable hour. This night in particular, I'm driving on I-25, and as I'm cruising along in the left lane, uh, I see a car in front of me in the left lane as well. And immediately I realize it's going slower than I am, so I slow down. Uh, and as you know, the, the road turns and, and uh, I see more and get closer to these cars, there's another car in front of it. And there's actually like a small line of cars that I can tell. And so, you know, I, I just kind of slow down behind him because my first immediate reaction is, why are people going slow in the left lane? Uh, I know Zach doesn't have much experience with uh, driving on highways or many stories about them. But that's something that you always ask, like, why left lane is the passing lane? Why the hell are people going so slow in the left lane? And in my brain, you know, two in the morning, late at night, I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be construction or, or there's an accident up ahead that these people know about and they're all moving over to get by it. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay here. The thing is, though, they're going incredibly slow. So I said the speed limit was 75 miles per hour. I'm, I'm cranking out, you know, 85, 90. These people are going 35 or 40. They're going way under the speed limit in the left lane. And so I'm like, no, this is really weird. Even if it was construction late at night, there's no reason, you know, it would be going this slow on a major highway. So so I, I start to think, okay, I, I don't want to just waste my time. I don't want to just follow these people. So I, what do I do? I just pop out into the right lane and I just start passing them all. You know, I get up to like 60 miles per hour and I'm blowing by them because they're going so much slower than I am. And this is when things start to get weird. So when I have the, the thought to actually be like, oh, my God, how many cars are there? Because I, there's cars in this line that I can kind of see going on for quite some time. And I started to count. I drove for about 15 miles in the right lane. And I passed 36 cars all in the left lane, all going seemingly the same speed. That's it. There was no construction. It, it wasn't like there was a cop at the front of the line. It wasn't like there was a funeral hearse at the front of the line and they were doing a procession on the highway. That's another totally reasonable thought I had. This, I don't think this is supernatural. I don't think this is paranormal. I just literally think this is a what the fuck moment of my life because I tried to Google this. I tried to see if anyone else encountered it. You know, I had the date, I had the location, I had the miles, I knew what exits I was around. Nothing. And even telling people this story, no one's ever experienced anything like this. It, it's just so many cars going the same speed in such a long line. It's it, it's just baffling to me. Uh, I, I really have never gotten an answer, and that's why it's a personal unsolved mystery. What do you think, Zach? I am I am all for reasonable explanations. If you think you have an explanation for this that I haven't pitched, let's do it. I would love to know what the fuck these people were doing. <laughs> people do weird stuff though. Like that's like what kind? Of, do you know what kind of cars they were? Were they civilian cars? Were they black SUVs? Uh, they definitely they were definitely um, the majority of them were the, of the sedan type. Okay. Sports car sedan type, yeah. Not too many, you know, big vans or SUVs or, if any, you know. I think they were all kind of compact. Did you try to see, like, what was driving behind the wheel of that? I know it was dark out, but... Oh, they, they looked like people. I mean, I, I definitely, as I was going by, you know, I looked in their direction, and it didn't look like they were unmanned or anything, anything strange like that. That's a good question. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, it looked like it was just regular people. Hmm. Which is, you know, which is really why I was thinking, I thought, you know, maybe I was going to run to a cop at the head of this line, like the cop knew, and these people knew something that I didn't. So the, I think the most reasonable explanation is that uh, some 
absolute moron, and I say this completely objectively, decided to drive slow in the left lane for no reason. Never do that. That's a bad idea, especially at night. But I think someone decided to do this. I think one person decided to do this. Maybe two. Maybe it was like two people. One was following the other. And I think that it's it's totally reasonable that, you know, uh, someone drove up to these cars going slow in the left lane, thought they knew something that they didn't, and didn't want to break suit. You know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a mob mentality type of thing. That's the only thing I can think of that it was, that I was the first part. But that's the, at the same time, I find that so unlikely that this was at least 36 cars. There's no way that I was the first one to think to break ranks like that. Like, I'm, like, there's had to be another person that was like, fuck this, I'm not waiting. And all the exits are on the right. None yeah. of these cars were exiting for 15 miles. That's, it's just crazy. Anybody, anybody, our listeners know, tweet at us. You know, maybe there's some midnight funeral processions or something that's, I don't know, convoys of, I have, I have no idea, Zach. <laughs> Who knows? That's that's peculiar. There probably is a stupid explanation for that's, it. That's I. That's why. That's what I'm thinking. You know. That's why I say I don't think it's supernatural. I don't think it's paranormal. I think it's just something that is just I. I can't think of. We can't think of. You know why snacks is a tough one for me with this this episode? Why? Because how am I not going to say buffalo? <laughs> but I don't want to eat the miracle buffalo. Well, <laughs> I would eat the miracle buffalo. What? Um, I mean, you know, I wouldn't, like, kill the Miracle Buffalo to eat it, but if it died, and then they were like, we're going to cook it, I'd be like, I'll take a chop, I'll take a burger, I'll take a rib, you know, something like that. I've had bison before. Bison's really good. You know what you remind me of? Again, not to bring back The Simpsons, but you remind me of this episode where, like, Homer um, goes to, like, the, I forget, right, the, the grocery store and wants lobster, and it's something like $15 a pound, so he goes, well, I'll just go get one and feed it up. And so he sits there, like, and he becomes, like, emotionally attached to the lobster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, eventually, I forget what he does. He, oh, he gives it a bath. He gives it a steam bath. He <laughs> kills it. And then like, like like two seconds later, he's eating it. Benji! Oh. Benji! <laughs> oh, man, that's good. <laughs> Pass the butter. <laughs> Are you gonna eat that all by yourself? Pinchy uh, would have wanted it this way. <laughs> My dear sweet Pinchy. <laughs> no more pain where you are now, boy. <laughs> oh, God, that's tasty. I wish Pinchy were here to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, Pinchy. And you see him dip, <laughs> dipping the, uh, the, 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 the shrimp fork and the lobster fork into the butter. That's Rob, Rob loves the buffalo, but he would have eaten it at a moment. That is, that is spot on. 100%. 100% without a doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, you know, so that would be, that'd be my snack. Maybe, you know, cook it up how you want to cook it up. Prepare it the way you want to prepare it. If you just want to have, like, a steak or you want to do a burger, I think I'd go for a burger. I think that's my that's my go-to, I think, for a, for a meat consumption. I'm not a big, like, steak person, you know? I'm not a big, like, here's just a giant chunk of meat, eat it. Like, that's the, like I want some other things, you know, some garnish. Give me something. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? What's your snack? 
I'm trying to think. I'm trying to do something in between. Um, this is not exactly a food item, so it's going to take a little bit going outside our comfort zone. Okay. I want I want to go to a restaurant and, and they hand you a menu. Instead of it be like all the foods, like it's all like cryptic, and you have to like have no idea. Like okay, okay, if you need like like a cipher and like a, like a decoder ring, and you have to order the food off the menu, but you have to use like skip code. And so by the time you get, you'll, you'll say like, okay, uh, I think I'm ordering the uh, the chicken with the pasta and the vegetables. Then when you get it, it, it they bring out the white buffalo to you. Like that's how <laughs> off base you are. I, I think that when, when you order at this restaurant, you have to say, I would like the, the chicken encoded with the side of mashed potatoes, <laughs> encoded with the green beans. <laughs> oh, just, I like it. Bible code theme restaurant. Themed menu. You wouldn't want to just do the whole restaurant? Like every well, waiter every waiter and waitress dresses up like Michael Drosman? I was going to say they talk like uh, uh, characters in like the Black Lodge of Twin Peaks where it's like all backwards. It's oh. like uh, – okay, Oh, so Rob, it's like you're living in the code. Okay. So like like Rob's going to do this in reverse though, but it's like – And that's essentially what you hear when you walk into the restaurant. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I like that. I really like that. We should start that. Yeah, where, where, where can we open it? Do we know any? Oh, there's an open place in the plaza across the street from me, Zach. can open it is there. It, isn't the devil's backbone? No. It used to be a barbecue place, but that closed. Oh. So we can make it a Bible code place. Restaurant place. And the Mater D is the screaming monk from the devil's backbone. <laughs> as you walk in, as you leave. How, how upset would the uh, Unsolved Mysteries creators get if just one day they found out not that we were creating it, but that it was up, fully running. It had, it has Yelp reviews. Unsolved Mysteries Restaurant. Like, what? If, how mad would they be if they just found out about that one day? I don't know if it's just called Unsolved Mysteries. I don't think they got a claim. But like, no, no, like all, everything. It would show episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. It would have memorabilia. All the waiters and waitresses would dress up as people from segments of Unsolved Mysteries. It would be like the it would be like the Daily Planet, but for Unsolved Mysteries. Like everything on the menu would have different names, like like the Miracle Buffalo Burger. Boom! Oh, oh, we gotta do this. How do we do this secretly enough? So instead of like a fifteen nostalgias cafe, it's a eighties uh, unsolved mysteries cafe. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Oh man, I want. We open this it up right next to the Daily Planet. So maybe it's okay because I think nobody listening is getting the Daily Planet reference. Um, they're, like, they're like, why are they talking about Superman's uh, newspaper? Um, I would say like, like, like a Planet Hollywood, but instead just okay. movies. It's yeah. all unsolved mysteries. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. I like it. that. Yeah, yeah, and, and we could. Oh man, I like. You know, I really like this, that. I'm going to take this one step further so we don't get sued. Instead of an unsolved mysteries restaurant, a cinemodities restaurant. Oh, with an unsolved mysteries wing, sure, or, or section maybe that's a better way to put it. Sure, and in each in the Cinematis restaurant, in each in each episode we do that's the that's the the meal that's put on the menu for each episode. Oh, I like it. I like that. Oh man, that's going to be intensive on the chefs. <laughs> we have some crazy shit, right? <laughs> Especially that uh, buffalo, uh, buffalo uh, miracle buffalo burger. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be in demand. So he served like once, maybe twice every fifteen years, and that's it. Wasn't wasn't our one for the? Didn't I say for Gremlins that you should drink the electricity gene or something like that? 
It's the, I don't even know. We, we got to keep a running list. If, uh, Porg Knight, if you're listening to this, please keep a running list of all the foods you can um, – <laughs> Yeah, we, we we we're going to eat during this. Like, what oh, disgusting, horrible foods that can you do at, in this stupid restaurant we're creating? I I really like this because I I just in imagining a family going to this restaurant, one or you know maybe a group of friends. One person orders, uh, you know, the miracle buffalo burger, and it's like a good hearty meal. One person orders like the dinosaur world two meal and it's fucking candy and real shark teeth on a necklace <laughs> like these meals are not comparable <laughs> and the uh, uh the claws the claws meal which is the wrapper that will give you cancer in 10 years <laughs> i am gonna have a blast working on the presentation of these dishes <laughs> oh man that's great okay i like it that might be that might be the greatest snack idea we've ever had, Zach. I think this might be a new uh, concept for Cinemodis at large. The idea of having a Cinemodis restaurant and having all these uh, horrible menu- items on menu. I love it. I love it. Yeah, okay. I like it. Coming coming to a, uh, coming to a food truck near you. <laughs> we got to talk about our Cinemodis status and late night status. I think it goes without saying... You better believe I'm going to be showing people the Miracle Buffalo segment. Like, whether they like it or not. Like, I'm going to pull a clockwork orange and put those things in their eyes that make them watch it. This is hands down a late night movie. This seven minutes of Buffalo. I'm dumb. Can you understand how serious I am, Zach? He really Do I look Buffalo like I'm folks. joking? This Buffalo is great. <laughs> what, what? What blew the Velociraptor is to Chris Pratt is what uh, the, the Miracle Buffalo is to Rob. But I didn't groom the Miracle Buffalo, okay? That's a very <laughs> important you, distinction. Because you weren't given the opportunity to. I was only two when the Miracle Buffalo was born. Like, we would have been grooming each other. <laughs> Isn't that called love? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Zach. Love, love finds a way. <laughs> Okay, so I think the other ones, um, yeah, you know, I think Bible Code, that's one that I could show to some people, you know, like-minded statisticians that'll get a kick out of that. Devil's Backbone, I, I feel like everyone I know will have the same reaction as me. They'll be like, oh, it's the one we hiked? No. Then why are we watching it? <laughs> scared to death, scared to death I could see putting on. I would, I think that's a good murder story. Uh, at least, well, like we talked about, it's a good setup for a murder story. It has that spark of conversation for a yes. late night movie that I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Would you show these two? How, how, how many times would you show someone the Miracle Buffalo segment in a night? Do I show it to them more than Spirited Away or less than Spirited Away? Mm. Uh, I'm probably going to have to develop, like, an intercut version so you can show them both at the same time. Are General Wayne's in and uh, Devil's Backbone on the same disc? Uh, I think so. I, you know what? Let me... Hold on. I got my my breakout. So these are ghosts. Oh, they're not just on the same disc. They're consecutive segments on the same disc. All right. There we go. I actually... Because back when we were talking to Josh, this was the disc I played on Halloween. So I have made this a late... It's not as late. It's not late night in all caps. <laughs> but it is a it is a night... Okay. It's not a late night for me. It's a night because it was shown on the side of my house two Halloweens ago. Right on, right on. So, okay. So this is in, this is in fact I have uh, lived up to the the mantra of this show. 
Nice, nice. Cinemodity status, I think I'm going to have to say yes as well, specifically the Buffalo segment. And this might make me say it about all of Unsolved Mysteries. It might be a cinemodity for the sole fact that it has given me something I absolutely love. Oh, God. That's not the the Buffalo again. That doesn't come come around too often, Zach. I love this Buffalo, okay? No matter what they try and say, like if some news article comes out and says this Buffalo tried to molest a younger Buffalo, they're going to be false. I'm going to deny those allegations. This was a pure, holy, miracle Buffalo. Tune in next week, folks, when he's uh, riding the buffalo like Chris Pratt in Jurassic World uh, <laughs> 3 with the Velociraptor. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. You got you to gotta watch that segment some more, Zach. You got to love that buffalo. We'll I'm take a trip to the farm. We'll take, a, we'll take a trip to the farm, and you'll appreciate the buffalo like I do. You think it has a grave site? I hope so. So I can cry at it. <laughs> <laughs> Put some flowers down. <laughs> yeah, some white roses. <laughs> Zach's like, please kill me. <laughs> I'm spraying the battery ass into my mouth to keep me so, sane. Zach, how do we end this episode? I think we have to play our very crudely uh, unsolved mysteries theme. I like it. Let's give it another shot. <laughs> Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do